the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to Beyond the Pitch. I'm your always Phil Brown, Joe McGregor, co-host now, plus a common fighting. Hot on the heels of United's appalling, disappointing performance and result against Leicester City out of the FA Cup. Such a disappointing result, especially when you consider Southampton in the semi-final. But a fancy United to beat Southampton, get to an FA Cup final. And United knew that coming out of half-time, that they'd been drawn against Southampton. So many reasons to be disappointed. Callum, uh, first of all, how you doing, mate? I'm not too bad in terms of, of football, as we'll come to in the show. The most deflated I've been in a while, mm. and, and it's it's never a good thing to lose a game, but it's the manner of the performance is, is yep. a noble come to. That's really the point here. There's no disgrace in losing the way to Leicester. Anybody can. Leicester hit City for five there, right? The thing is, it was the manner of the defeat. And yes, I know Europa League Thursday weekend games are hard. That's one of the reasons why you, you avoid the Europa League. You know, so um, I know that's that's difficult, but when you're rotating, count the players that are coming in. I know you don't get to play every week. I know it's not ideal, but it, you know you have to take your chance when you get it. You don't get an ideal opportunity. It doesn't always happen like that. At this level, you take your chance when you get it. How many of those players coming in look desperate to you to start uh, next weekend? Or after the international break, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at it, as you say, you, you, you can't say very many. And the thing that's frustrating, and a lot of people in, here in the UK have made a big thing about the fact that he he rested Shaw and he rested Fernandez. Now, I, I, I understand that argument, but the players that came in, Teles for one, he shouldn't just be written off as a poor footballer. He's an international. He's got pedigree of playing at the highest level with Porto in European competition. So. Although Ollie's getting a lot of stick for rotating the squad, as I know, again, we'll, we'll discuss, I think these players that are coming in have to take a long, hard look at themselves because, to me, as you've rightly said there, Phil, to get an opportunity to play for Manchester United is massive. To get the opportunity to start in a key game shows you that your manager trusts you. Mm-hmm. After that performance, how many of those players that he put his trust in will he be thinking... Mm, can I trust you long term next season and beyond? I think he he might have he, he might have changed his mind on a few. Yeah, none of them have earned the right <clears throat> to be asked to be considered in future games, and so I, you don't want to see that sulky face whenever they don't start games. So many reasons to be disappointed. Come, I'll go to the first goal. Now I know Fred is appalling, right? But I blame seventy percent that on Harry Maguire because Maguire's the one that has that can see the whole field. Fred has his back to him. You do not give a ball to Fred in that position when the, the he's probably one of the him between him and Wambasaka is the least technical players in that football team. It was a hospital ball. Fred dealt with it appallingly. But I blame most of it on Maguire. Unacceptable at this level. And it, to me, it spoke to the technical limitations of Harry Maguire. Because he still has time. And United are so slow about bringing that ball out from the back. And you could see, Tillemans said this after, that they did intend to press him high. They knew they'd be a little bit tired. They did intend to press him high. And it turned out that not just that first ball out of defence, but United's whole link-up play the entire day was dreadful. 
There was just no fluidity. Everything broke down. It was easy to break down. Other than the, the Mason Greenwood's goal, there really wasn't anything going forward either. Just a dreadful performance. The, the thing that's frustrated you and I and so many of our listeners for a long time is, is the way United tend to start football matches. <clears throat> for a club that are at the top level, for a club that are striving to make progress, as the manager has talked about, you need to start with a level of intensity. You look at the Manchester City game, you get that penalty very early on and you can settle into the game and you can take control of that game because you're not chasing it. Too often, United start games in a pedestrian-like manner and, and I agree with you on Fred. He is not good under pressure on the ball. In my opinion, that should be an absolute have-to for a Manchester United central midfielder. But unfortunately, he, he just doesn't have that. But for whatever reason, he's playing for Manchester United in that position more often than not, particularly recently. But you're right, Maguire can see the whole field, plays it into him anyway. And the thing that frustrates me in moments like that is I hope after the game that Maguire takes responsibility for that because it'd be very easy to sit back when you analyse that and blame Fred for his panic, let's be honest, when mm -hmm. he gets the ball. But... Too often United are pedestrian when they start football matches and it, and it frustrates me. And the other thing that, that frustrates me at times is the lack of incisiveness when they when they have got the ball in key positions, especially in the first half of a match where you want to see them try and stretch a team, you want to see them take it to the opposition. Too often than not, especially when a player like Matic starts for me, it's all about ball retention. It's all about just keeping the ball and keeping it ticking over. And mm -hmm. and that's something that United need to change because if you are content as a central midfielder for a club like United is to just get your passing stats up with a wee, a wee pass five yards to the side or five yards behind you, then I'm sorry, that's not going to cut it. Pogba, of course, was fantastic. Milan, United get through. He plays and he's clearly getting back to full fitness. You can see that in his performance as well. But the other two in the centre of the park with them, as I say, Matic and Fred, they need to take a hard look at themselves after that game because if you can't get on the ball for Manchester United and look to make things happen, and I'm not saying that a player like Matic, who's a holder, and maybe Fred, who's naturally a holder as well, should be going on mazy runs and, and trying to do it on their own, but look forward and pass the ball forward and try and make something happen rather than try and let the responsibility be on someone else's shoulder with a quick five-yard pass to the side. That infuriates me because when you see a team like Leicester and Telemans, who are again, and I know he's a player you admire, Phil, I admire him as well. You see a player like him who gets the ball and his first thing is, can I go forward? Can I hurt the opposition? Mm -hmm. For me, two out of three United's midfielders, particularly when you play McTominay, at times is about how can I keep the ball rather than how can I damage the opposition? Well, Another thing that to me was apparent at the weekend <clears throat> was the poor recruitment between United and can contrast that with Leicester. Indeedy cost 17 million. Telemans cost 40. Combined total of 57 million. Fred cost 52 in his own. Now, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that is an <laughs> awful statistic. When you're sitting there looking at Indeedy and Telemans, who totally ran the midfield. I'm not going to talk about how much Maric and Fred cost, right, Van der Beek, because it is embarrassing in comparison to what Leicester paid for these players. So the other thing that I don't like, Callum, 
I understand some of the criticism about Solskjaer. Of course there's questions remaining about Solskjaer, but you can't lose your every time he loses a game and you demand he's sacked. No manager can survive and succeed in that type of environment. If you're going to do that after every time a manager loses, I mean, Solskjaer's got an unbelievable away record. Yes, I accept it. I'm really disappointed we lost yesterday. Um, and Solskjaer really is, I've said this before, getting into a territory where he needs to start winning trophies. You can't keep talking about the future. I think we're at a point now where it's really time for Solskjaer to deliver. Really important. He gets the players that he wants this summer. Um, and because... When you're saying things like it's understandable that United are completely fatigued from Milan away on Thursday, I'm thinking to myself, it's not. Because if you go back to Mourinho, Callum, remember Mourinho made a choice between prioritising the Premier League and Europa League due to squad depth. So, what was that, four or five years ago? Yep. Solskjaer said last season after Sevilla that we lacked the squad depth to change games. So don't tell me we're still in a situation where this football club doesn't have a squad deep enough to compete on the uh, the football on, on, on all major competitions. I mean, if you're going to be call yourself the biggest football club in the world, you would imagine the basic prerequisite is to have enough players, you know, to play football, which is our raison d'être, you know, in the major competitions. Otherwise, what's the excuse for not having a squad deep enough to compete? if you're one of the biggest football clubs in the world, for all major competitions. It's, there is no excuse for that. If you can't start the season with a squad capable of competing on all those fronts, then you're failing the manager. Or the manager's failing to bring in the people um, required to compete on all fronts. A football club like Manchester United should not be choosing between Europa League and the Premier League. No, they shouldn't be. And, and you can understand that <clears throat> happening maybe once every couple of years. Mourinho mentions it. It's a depth thing. You could say, right, okay, you're getting your your squad together. I think that was his first season, if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So you can say, right, okay, you're doing the job. You're putting your squad together. You need time. Maybe the depth isn't how you want it. But as you say, we're talking five years on, mm-hmm. and if five years on with a change of manager, who I think is about two and a half years into his reign now, we're still talking about squad depth, then somebody, being the manager, of the recruitment team has to do something about that because. You, you can't just sit and blame depth and the lack of finance compared to a Manchester City year in, year out. Because see, if that's your attitude, what's the point of even turning up? Mm-hmm. It would be very easy for Liverpool, for United, for Everton, for Chelsea, whoever it be, to say, Do you know, we just can't compete with them. We'll just mm-hmm. we'll just be content with what we've got and not push on. No, you need to push on. And I, I said this in recent weeks, and there'll be people who are listening saying, well... You got what you wanted. He changed the squad and he used the, the the bulk of the squad as I suggested. But one of the things that I also mentioned with that, if you if you listen back, was you start with your strongest team. I always think of Ferguson. You start with your strongest team. If you're in a luxury of going two 0 up or three one up or whatever it may be, then you can maybe swap Shaw for a Teles. Then you can maybe swap Fernandez for a Van de Beek, and you can you can rotate that way. I always think it's bold especially against a side like Leicester, who, let's be honest, are a good football team. doesn't excuse the fact that they were superior, but they are a good team. I think it was bold, especially in hindsight. Obviously, I've got the power of hindsight, which Ollie doesn't now. I think it was bold to drop both of them. I say drop, to rest both of them in such a crucial match, knowing that Pogba was only on the road back to fitness. I think if you were going to be resting a central midfielder, 
or a, a attacking midfielder, I would have rested Pogba uh, compared to Fernandez just because he's back from injury. But again, I've got the power of hindsight saying that, and I, and I have said that United should use the squad, but. I suppose my argument has been proven wrong in many ways, but as I say, the way I would have done it is I would have started my strongest 11, especially in the FA Cup, as you say, Southampton in the semi-finals, a decent football side, no disrespect to them, but United would fancy themselves in that game. That You had all the carrots there that you could possibly want to, to get over the line and to have a strong second half, and the fact that they didn't is damning, and mm-hmm. I'm not like the you've referenced him who says we've lost the game change the manager we've lost the game who's out there not at all I think Ollie's definitely progressed Manchester United and he's been sort of beaten with a stick for using that word progress what I would say is a trophy's also important as we've both alluded to progress can only take you so far but if United finish second say 11 points behind a City and a Liverpool or a Chelsea for the next five years United can't be content with that as a football club. United need to be winning something. They need to be putting a real dent in a title race. And that's his next challenge. The Europa League, for me, I may have commented the other day, I said Europa League are bust. I didn't mean it in terms of losing his job. I just mean it. I just mean Europa League are bust in terms of building that momentum for next season because I see City winning the league comfortably. They've got a comfortable lead. So for me, the FA Cup of the Europa League was... It needed to be... A trophy that you could hold aloft at the end of the season and say, look, we have got a bit of momentum. We've got something physical to show for our efforts rather than just we've got a balance sheet to show for our efforts, which the Champions League brings. I don't care what anyone says. It's great to be in the Champions League, but I've made this point in this show before so many times. I hate clubs saying we're in the Champions League if they've not got an intention to win it. Look at Arsenal. I think Wenger qualified 17 years in a row. How many of those seasons, realistically, were they candidates to win it? Maybe five or six. United can't become that. For me, if you are a Premier Elite football club and you want to play, play in the Premier Elite competition, you need to have the depth to compete in that in, in that environment. And that's something that, that will challenge Ollie between now and the end of next season. He will get this summer. Even if United don't win the Europa League, as long as they finish top four, he will be given this summer. My only worry is... If the momentum's not created with a Europa League win or a final, which ends up in heartbreak or whatever it may be, if there isn't that momentum and a serious chance to win something, I just worry, Phil, we revert to default, as you know, with Mourinho. Give them two signings, we'll secure top four next season and that's our, that's our aim. Because if that's the aim, then Ollie would be as well leaving in the summer because he's going to be stitched up big time if he doesn't get the finances he needs because he's hit a ceiling with this team. We've both said it. This current team cannot compete with the City of now, never mind if City go out and buy one or two in the summer. Well, <clears throat> United's track record in getting players that are in demand is not good. So the idea that United are going to sign Holland above all these top clubs, insanity. United are not going to sign top players in demand. In fact, I don't even expect any top signings this summer. What I expect this summer is very similar to what we saw last summer where United will try to spread out maybe 60, 70 million across three, four young players. Maybe more if a big player goes like a Pogba or something. But there are some big decisions that need to be made this summer because there's the Eric Bailly situation. Bailly wasn't even on the bench at the weekend. Um, and United looked like a team that could have done with a, a rotation at centre-back because both Maguire and Lindelof looked, they looked tired. And there's this is an untenable situation for Bailly. 
You know, if he's remaining fit and he's not even getting on the bench, that's a problem. So I think that's a problem that needs addressed this summer. Jonathan Schrieger, of course, who does have exceptional contacts in Sydney United, said that they're talking to Milinkovic's people. I could see something like that happen. Because you could probably get Milinkovic out of Fiorentina for about £30 million, which I think United would be more inclined to do than spending big on someone like Koulibaly or something. You know, and what we've seen from some of their other targets, um, you know, I don't think Milinkovic is a terrible, a terrible signing. But when I looked at his statistics and going, he's a right-footed centre-back. You know, very similar, not lightning quick. But as you can see from the weekend, they don't need a ball-playing defender. They need someone that's very different to what they have now. But he's not the left-footed centre-back people talking about. So, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, and from what Jonathan Schrager was saying, it doesn't sound like he would have settled on who their centre-back target is. Um, I think there's still some debate about who's going to leave, of course, and whether Pogba will leave. If you'd listen to... Um, some reports the weekend, of course, uh, by uh, RAI, which is a radio in uh, Italia. Uh, Paolo Pagini said talks were held <clears throat> uh, this weekend from United uh, and Pogba and Juventus. So I still think Pogba will leave at the end of the summer, but it all depends on whether, just like the Harry Kane situation, whether someone can come up with money to get him out. Harry Kane available 28. Um, certainly would be a player that would improve United. And even if Cavani stays, with how many injuries Cavani has, this is a concern because United badly need a number nine. What would you do? Would you would you go for Harry Kane this summer? I'll be honest, Phil, I think if you could structure the deal in a way that you're not paying... I mean, I'm, I'm just mentioning the crazy rumours you hear and that you see in the British media here where it says you would have to pay £150 million for Harry Kane. If I was United, I would not be putting £150 million down for a player like Harry Kane. But I think you're talking towards... You're probably talking towards £100 million. If you get money for Pogba, as, as you think could be a possibility, and listening to the reports in Italy, it definitely could be a possibility. If you're getting the money, at least the money that you paid for Pogba, say in the region of £93 million back, then I think it would be wise to reinvest that money in someone like a Harry Kane... Harry Kane needs to move on from Tottenham. They are not going to make the top four. They're going to be playing in the Europa League. You've got a manager there, and, and I was laughing when you were tweeting the other night, Phil, because it just summed up all those painful <laughs> memories of that last season at United. He's got a manager that will throw everyone under the bus when they lose, but take the credit when they win. Yep. I think Kane needs to move on for his own sanity because he's given Tottenham an awful lot, but he's not got a major trophy to show for it. United for me could present him with a very attractive proposition. You've got young, you've got Marcus Rashford in the squad who he plays with at England. You've got Fernandez who can clearly feed him, and you've got Shaw who's another player who's really in form, can can deliver crosses, and we all know that Kane, as good as he is technically, can get on the can, can get on the end of headers. So if the deal can be structured correctly, that's exactly the sort of player United should be going for. I, I might be making a silly parallel here, but. If United sign Kane, um, it, it reminds me of a Van Persie type signing. It reminds me of a top, top footballer who was very loyal to their club, but in the end has to leave if they want to progress their career in terms of winning trophies. And I think whoever gets Harry Kane 
will get a player with a burning desire to succeed and win a trophy because it's great winning golden boots, but it, 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 when you retire, it, I mean, no disrespect, Kevin Phillips has got golden boots, right? He's not got Premier League titles under his belt, and that's what Kane wants. So if the deal could be done, I, I would definitely look at Harry Kane. In terms of other Premier League players, I said this at the weekend, you mentioned them earlier, Wilfred Ndidi. For me, he's someone that would improve United and Fred's position tenfold. Wesley Fafan is another one at Leicester and again it alludes to the fact Leicester's recruitment's been very strong whereas United's really hasn't been at times so in terms of Premier League players I think Fafana, I think Kane but one of the options Phil I'm going to just throw out there and you might rubbish it and fair play to you if you do and other people do I wouldn't be surprised to see United go for Danny Ings this summer one year left in his contract he's been linked with Manchester City in the media over here this week if United are looking to keep the cost down and address that position, I think Danny Ings is someone to consider. I'm not going to rubbish it, but I think you need to have to be very careful. Um, I think uh, there's an image problem here. And um, I, I, I personally, I want to see United name a lot higher than that. I mean, Danny Ings oh, went, went, he went, to, he went to Liverpool a couple of years ago. No, it didn't work for him. Um I don't think Danny Ings is a, is, a, is a starting quality number nine that's going to put the fear of God into the Champions League rivals. I don't think he's an Lewandowski. I don't think he's an Erling Haaland. I don't think he's all that level. That's the type of player that you'd be looking at. You know, I, I would even put Cavani ahead of him at the moment. Um, I think one of the concerning parts for me, Callum, is the amount of rumours of players wanting to leave. Cavani supposedly wanting to leave Pug, but if they, they, this really is the case. You need to have a big decision to make over Solskjaer. We talked about Mourinho earlier and you know Woodward losing interest with Mourinho. I do think it's different with Solskjaer in a sense that I think Woodward felt maybe a bit bullied by, by, by uh, Mourinho in a sense and started to really dislike him personally. Um, dislike the influence he was having around the football club and I think some of that was part of what sold it out into Woodward's mind with Mourinho where it was like, this guy's toxic, do we really want to keep supporting him? Do we really want to keep giving him these players and spending money and is it, it, does it make sense to continue to support him I think they really like Solskjaer I think they like what he's doing and I don't think they fear telling him we're not going to send Jadon Sancho we're going to send you know Pedro Neto instead because he's worth he's, he's available for half the price I don't th- I think they fear telling Mourinho I don't think they fear telling Solskjaer that so I do feel they will support him again this summer but it will not be massive amounts of money and uh, then comes the question, Callum. If United don't have the resources to go out and sign top players, is it fair to expect Solskjaer to compete with Manchester City? In my opinion, no, it's not. And the other thing I want to add to this, and again, it might be me putting two and two together and, and it not makes sense, but United can talk about COVID being a factor all they want, but they've just signed a, a record equal and shirt sponsorship deal, mm-hmm. which is going to come into play. So... United are clearly still a massive draw in the commercial aspects and elements of football. Woodward's always taken credit for that, and he will continue to when he's structuring deals like this. If United can attract a sponsor who's willing to put down a substantial amount of money per season, United need to use that in the transfer market this summer because I I, I use that um, term a few times, glass ceiling. Solskjaer can knock at that door all he wants, but with the current squad he's got, over 38 games, Man City are going to are going to be ahead of you. You look at the options that Man City have, other than maybe the centre-forward position, Man City can change 
full-backs and it doesn't make a real difference. They can change centre-halves and it doesn't make a real difference mm-hmm. central midfielders. You look at United, Phil, and you've said this for a number of weeks. If Bruno Fernandes was out for four or five months, would you have confidence that United wouldn't United's form wouldn't drop off a cliff potentially? I wouldn't be. I think he's that key to United and he's that crucial. I don't have the faith in the players around that midfield berth if he was to be absent for a long period of time that United could have the same amount of creativity or have the same number of moments of magic to win games. So I think if you don't back him, then you kiss... If you don't invest in a serious manner this summer, kiss goodbye to competing for a title next year because the way I see Manchester City, they've got a world-class goalkeeper, they've got a solid, solid defence. Diaz and Stones, as we've talked about, are very good. They've got options in abundance in midfield. And crucially, if United don't sign a number nine and Cavani re-signs and he stays and he keeps Marseille, etc., I still think City will go out and get a top number nine. I genuinely do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it'll be Haaland or one of these big hitters that's, that's, that's mentioned, but I think City will go out and strengthen that position with one or maybe even two players to basically say to the rest of the league, look, we're flexing our financial muscles. We're not giving this title up or this dominance up anytime soon. So United need to identify a player in the key positions that they need and go for them. And I like the references I say earlier to Kane because that that that's the sort of signing that I think would be a real statement and is probably doable considering the state that Spurs are in. But crucially, there's also other positions where that needs to be the case. And the reason I mentioned Danny Ings, Phil, if you're thinking of Milinkovic for about thirty million, you'd probably get Ings for a similar price, and then you might get a cheaper central midfield option mm-hmm. to come in, and then you've got a next. By the time you sell Pogba, if that happens. You've maybe got a net spend of five million, ten million. Nothing too major, nothing to rock the boat. But he needs to fight, and this is the thing for Solskjaer. If he can win the Europa League, if he finishes second, that's got to be a really strong bargaining position for him. I know people could say, well, as you've said, well, if the board let him down, maybe he's more receptive to that than maybe Mourinho would. But if he wins the Europa League and finishes second, he's achieved. He's achieved pretty much all that he can with this current squad. He's won a European trophy, albeit not the big one, and he's finished second. So you would have to, as a board, take it seriously when he says, I need financial muscle to go and get one of the big ones, and if you don't give me it, I won't get there. So I think he needs to put himself and the players need to put themselves in the best position possible going into this summer so that the, the shoe's on the club's foot and they need to make that big call as to whether they invest or not. Because let's be honest, Phil, as I've said, if United fizzle out, finish third, or even somehow slip to fourth, go through a poor run of form, and it's just Champions League, I think that's enough to put off the hierarchy to say, you know, see, even if we throw £120 million at this, I don't think we'll win the league. Whereas if you build some momentum, I think they would, they would find it hard to turn down the investment, and I think they would also find it hard to turn down the pressure that will come their way. Well, here's the thing, Callum. <clears throat> First of all, doesn't matter what Solskjaer wins this season. It changes nothing about what's expected of him next season. So even if he wins the Europa League and finishes second, it doesn't mean that next season he doesn't have to win something. It doesn't mean that next season he still has massive expectation. So yes, it is important that United win trophies, Europa League, Premier League, but 
Um, you're obviously not going to win the Premier League. If they win the Europa League, finish second. Within decent single-digit distance between City, I think that's a decent season. But changes nothing about what's expected of Solskjaer next season. Solskjaer cannot be sitting at the end of next season in an identical situation that he's in this season. Unless United don't support him this summer, then we all have to adjust our expectations and say, look, whether Solskjaer's the right man or not, we're still asking miracles for a guy to come in and win a league in Cat City. When... when, when the Glazers didn't react after Liverpool won the league. They didn't react after they won the European Cup. And if City go on and win the quadruple, I don't expect them to be sitting in Florida hurting so bad. They go, you know what? You see that 100 million we just took out of the football club? Let's give it back to their club to buy resources so that they compete on all fronts like a proper football club should. I don't see that happening. Because I don't think they care that much. I think that they are so happy and content with finishing second. Why do they care? As long as it results in revenue, why do they care? See, this is the, you, you, one of the things we can to come is their biggest strength is almost their biggest weakness. In the resilience of the brand, right? The likes of Disney, for example, have a resilient brand. They believe it's almost bulletproof because it's so iconic, it's so well recognized across the world that it can survive ups and downs. So when United are not playing well, United think their brand is resilient like Coca-Cola, like uh, Disney or whatever. Where it's such an iconic global brand that even if they have these periods of not being successful, they're still going to make a lot of money because of how resilient that brand is. But when you look at the sponsorship deal, COVID's definitely a factor. There's no question about that. But it should also be a concern that United's revenues are dropping commercially. Because in this modern era, Callum, it's not like it was 20, 30 years ago. Everything is sensationalised. Everything is dramatised. United are starting to get a reputation like Arsenal. Big football club in the past. But no recent memories of anything successful. I mean, you look at the overhaul inside the football club, John Murder, for example. Right? It's not even a traditional director of football role that you would see at Ajax or anything else. It's a hybrid role, really. And it's a guy, now I have to say, he's an accomplished guy. Came in, he created the women's team from scratch, and they're now one of the best teams in the league after two years. He was also responsible for completely overhauling the academy, which he done well. Um, you know, he's basically, uh, between him and Matt Judge, where Edward deserves credit, is he has essentially removed himself from the transfer process. He deserves credit for Matt. So it's essentially between Matt George and John Murder. Uh, you know, he's been there since 2014, brought in by David Moyes. Been in football 23 years. He knows what he's doing. Uh, he reports to Woodward. Uh, uh, Soskar still has veto power. Um, if you listen to people like Andy Mitten, he you know his targets are somewhere a right-wing centre-back and a young midfielder. So... It's going to be really, really interesting, Callum, to see what you need to do this summer and how they go about it and to see if there's anything different. Because if we have another summer of a drawn-out saga, 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 these appointments mean nothing. That That's a fair a fair summary. And the only thing about these appointments that, that made me err on the side of caution, and, and again, United would be able to, 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 to put me wrong in this. This is my only concern. Dan and Fletcher's came in as sort of technical director as well and, and Ollie was saying, yeah, yeah, he's got that role but he'll also still be doing his coaching as well, albeit probably a bit less than 
a hybrid role can can be a good thing in many senses because it's people that know the club and know the process and maybe as you've said with, with John uh, he's he's improved aspects of the club so it's safe to say that if he's proven himself at improving the academy and the women's team then maybe he should get the opportunity to try and improve the first team's fortunes and mm-hmm. fortunes in the transfer market however as I say that the hybrid situation also makes me worry because I think rather than giving someone quote unquote sole responsibility like you would get at an Ajax or even a Barcelona when things are working well. You're getting someone who's really dealing with added responsibility in their role rather than having the sole responsibility that they need to succeed because if John Murta has been so has been as successful as, as we've both said, United would be daft to let that success go and let those strengths of his go. So my main worry is he's still going to be responsible for those aspects but he's got this added aspect as well. And my worry is, in the summer, as I say, where there's a major European tournament coming up, the big, the big, the biggest and best teams in terms of the market, Bayern Munich, always come to mind, will get their deals done early. My main worry is that United, with this hybrid model, might not have their finger on the pulse the way they should, and the deals will come in late. And when they come in late, you could see a situation that starting next season where you're losing to a Crystal Palace and you're hearing the same sort of tones of, right, just give us a few weeks and we'll be prepared. United need to be prepared early. They need to be prepared. Whether they, as you said, whether you win Europa League, whether you finish second, whatever it may be, forget that. You need to be prepared for next season because if you're not, the teams around you absolutely can probably almost guarantee will be and a strong start is needed because I'm fed up and I'm sure the coaching staff and the players are fed up with having to play catch-up. Because when you go into every season and you have a poor result or a poor couple of results to start and you're chasing people's tails right away, it, it, it must, it must on a daily basis, when you're in there in the training ground, feel like an unsurmountable task. Whereas if you can make a really positive start, put together four wins from four or five wins from five or whatever it may be, and build that momentum from the get-go with fans, crucially probably back in the stadium, be, you, you would be a, a tough person to bet against United causing more than what you could maybe say sadly now is an upset because at the end of the day, they're a club that, as you've alluded to, half had a lot of success in the in the past. Not the not the complete distant past like an Arsenal, but still distant enough for it to have to be addressed as a matter of urgency. But I would say this summer's the time because if next season doesn't go well, you will change manager, whether it's all there, whoever it was in post, you probably will see another managerial change. And the thing that comes with any managerial change is they always talk about, oh no, it's a transition in the first year. United are at a point now with this squad and the investment needed to improve it. They can't afford to have another transitional year the year after next. They can't afford to have another person or a couple of individuals come in and change the whole thing from top to bottom again. They need to back a man who's making progress and see if he can take it to the next level. And if he can't, maybe you make your change and you make a few tweaks but they can't afford to let it stagnate this summer, go backwards and then go back to right full overhaul, full transition, because if you do that, you do become Arsenal, and that nine years without a title becomes 10 and it becomes 15 before you know it. And when it becomes like that, it's hard to get your reputation back as a serious competing club, because like with Arsenal now, you, you see Arsenal as a side that are eh, maybe top four a couple of seasons, maybe out of it a couple of seasons, I don't see Arsenal as title contenders. I haven't for a long, long time. 
and it's imperative that the board, John, Murta, Solskjaer, everyone who's in a position of power, make sure United are seen as a title challenging team, not just this season, but the seasons ahead. Because if you don't, then you will become an Arsenal and you'll rely on just your name alone to get these sponsorship deals that they do in great numbers, to get maybe journeyman type players towards the end of their career, which again, we kind of have had in recent years and we need to get away from that because if we don't get away from it, you can guarantee the likes of City and others are. If there is a couple of positives from the weekend, uh, Van de Beek, <laughs> uh, lovely doming for Mason Greenwood. Degrees. I'm delighted to see Mason Greenwood score. Uh, important for him because he hasn't been exactly far on all cylinders. Hopefully that goal gets a bit of confidence. We could see Mason Greenwood going on a run. United badly need that, especially with the form of the other strikers not scoring goals at the moment. Um, what was your take on Van der Beek? Did he do enough in that game um, for you to have belief that there's a future for him? Here's, here's what he looked like to me. Brilliant, brilliant piece of skill for um, that, that goal. But I think when it comes to playmakers like Van der Beek, sometimes you have to build a team around their strengths. And Van der Beek's strengths are different than uh, Fernandez. Of course, that's the other problem for Van der Beek is he plays in that season of Fernandez and it's not easy. But he doesn't look like he's in sync with the rest of the team. And he slows the play down a wee bit. I've seen him hold the ball up and drop and drops, play it sideways, play it. He doesn't look like a player that is confident in himself. He looks a bit lost. Um, I still think there's a top player in him. I still think, you know, you can see the individual brilliance. You can still see there's a class player in Van der Beek and I really don't want to give up on him. Um, but what was your take on him at the weekend? I thought the dummy, as you say, was exceptional. And just to add to that, for me, the unfortunate thing that's just a, just a gut feeling and I, I would love nothing more to be proven wrong is he seems like the right player at the wrong club. He seems like he is a, he's a very talented footballer. He's a gifted footballer. He's clearly got skill. He's clearly got a skill set that, that is, a, is of an elite standard and is of a Champions League standard. As you've said, though, I just worry his style of play isn't in sync with the way the Premier League is, is, is suited. And obviously you might say, OK, there's plenty of European games, but you're not going to build a career at United solely off European games because you need to be playing week in, week out in the Premier League to be starting those key games. Otherwise, you are going to be what you are at the moment, which is a squad player who's in a few, out a few, in a few, out a few. So I think he's, I think he's definitely a very clever footballer. He's a footballer who, as I've said, has got immense skill. I just worry stylistically it, it isn't the best fit. And that's potentially the reason that he's not been given as many games as he wants because he is a clever footballer, he is a gifted footballer. But if the style just, if your playing style just doesn't fit in with the club that you're at long term, I just don't know if it can be a success. And with that in mind, as much as I would love to see him succeed, and I'd love United not to give up on him, as you've said, I think because he's still got a really high stock in football. If you were going to move him on this summer, would probably be the best time to sort of get your money back and say, shake hands and say, look, didn't work out, all the best in the future for you and all the best in the future for us type thing. Because if he's another season of being in, out, in, out, then I think his value drops and you either have to loan him out to someone with the option to buy or you have to sell him at a reduced rate. Whereas I think if United, if United are seeing what I'm thinking, with just with my gut feeling, 
that he's the right player but at the wrong club in terms of style I think it maybe is an idea to cash in on him this summer and bring someone in more suited to the principles that the that Solskjaer and the staff want to play with Pedro Neto instead of Jadon Sancho <laughs> do you know as soon as you said it I just thought to myself that would be pretty typical isn't it he's a good player mm-hmm. good player he's young resale value that dreaded word but United eventually and you, you said it in the opening piece of this show Phil eventually you need to go out and sign a quote unquote elite footballer and and I know we've said that they don't compete well with clubs but I look at Bayern Munich and I know I've mentioned them for about the third time in this show they seem to identify a player and get the deal done they don't let it open up to be a saga they get it done in a quick and efficient manner so that he's in the door and that's something that I want to see United do because a Sancho, a Haaland, um, those are the kind of players that would come in and improve you from day one. And Neto might come in and improve you over the course of two, three, four years as he develops as a player. But is, is he the sort of player you're looking at at the moment saying he's going to come in and take United to the next level from day one in training session one? I don't quite think so. I think of Paul Pogba, right? We're talking about him maybe moving on. Let's just say Paul Pogba's to stay. If Jaden Sancho walks through the door, I think you see Paul Pogba raise his eyebrows and think, oh, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to playing with him. This this is interesting. This feels like we're going somewhere. Whereas if Neto walks in the door, I think you see Pogba, uh, a player of his stature, going, right, we've signed another project. Really talented young player, but... I'm what, 26, 27? I'm reaching those so-called peak years of winning trophies. Is he going to help take me and my fellow teammates to where we want to go this year or in the next 12 months? Probably a big ask. And I think if United sign too many players where it's probably a big ask to improve you right away, then they won't break that ceiling. So, in all honesty, I think if a Sancho or a Haaland's available and you can somehow afford it, or a Kane, and you can somehow afford it, I would go and get it because it's not just it's not just what it achieves on the pitch. Perception is a big thing in football. Perception amongst players in a dressing room is a big thing. And perception amongst rivals. I mentioned them earlier again, but I want to repeat it. When Van Persie came to United, how many people went, oh, they mean business now? And I think if a Kane or someone of that out comes through the door, a lot of the rival sides, a lot of the rival managers will look at United in a different light and go, well, they're not half messing about here. And I think that's what you need to do if you're hunting down any team, never mind a team like Pep Guardiola City. Amad Traore called up to the senior squad for Ivory Coast. Uh, very exciting young talent. Um, what's your take on him so far? I think he's, he's obviously limited minutes. Um, and I think that's wise because of how young he is. The header, of course, in Europe reminded me of uh, Chicharito many years ago, yeah, and I, I think he's the sort of yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. he's the sort of player who will grow into a United shirt. Just needs more opportunities. I think it's always tough coming in. I know Fernandez proves everyone wrong with this, but I always think it's tough coming into any top side in January because the manager's been working with the players that he knows and trusts for six months. You're coming in, especially as a young player. Is he wanting to? upset the apple cart and throw you in for five or ten games it's a big ask whereas let's be honest I think when he has a full United pre-season under his belt it'll be exciting to see what he does next season I hope he gets more minutes on the pitch I've been impressed with what I've seen in glimpses but obviously we've not had the chance to see him consistently start games week in week out yet and I think 
that's something that will come next season after a full pre-season and, and I'm wishing well because if he can produce more moments like that Chicharito Esqueda then we're in for a treat The thing is if he shows tremendous progress and he shows tremendous promise and you need to send a right winger does that block his progress? Mm. Well, well, that's why I think a signing like Pedro Neto doesn't make an awful lot of sense if you're when you put it that way if you sign a Sancho as good as Ahmad has been if a player like Sancho is available, you sign him. If it's the same with um, a top centre back, like maybe if Kulabali was two or three years younger, even though you've signed Maguire, if he becomes available and he's on your radar and he wants to come, you sign him because at the end yeah. of the day, those chances don't present themselves too often. So I think if you sign a Sancho, I think that's a different story. If you sign a Neto and he's playing week in week out and you're not, then there is that question of why did we buy this guy because. At the end of the day, his progress probably would be blocked over the next year or two, especially if you're signing someone who is three or four years older and has played more maybe top-level minutes than you have. But I, I, I think, for me, if United sign the right winger, it should be in order to let Greenwood return to his natural position of mm-hmm. centre-forward. And I think if you do it that way and that's the aim, then it makes sense. But if you're buying a, another project-type signing like Aneto and you've got him... Greenwood and Ahmad competing for that right wing spot, it would seem a bit baffling. But as I say, I think deep down, I think Greenwood is a striker. He's a number nine, and I think that's where we will see him play. Form of Jesse Lingard, and how much would you sell him for this summer? His form's been incredible. I think he's been uh, very impressive at West Ham. David Boys has proven me wrong. I, I remember at the start of the season saying I thought he'd be one of the first managers sacked, but fair play to him. He's a really good season, Lingard's been fantastic great goal against Arsenal as well he's got one year left in his contract, Phil am I right with that? Yes I think you're talking 25 million and, as, and I know people might say oh you'd get 40 you'd get this, I think because he's got one year left in his deal, I think a fair deal will be cut, I don't think it'll be too cheap like United have had um, problems with in the past but I also don't think it'll be extortionate in the current market as well I think the reason I say 25 to 30 million is because although he's got one year left in his deal, if you're West Ham, you want to keep him. And let's be honest with you, there will be a few other clubs that are interested, maybe an Everton, maybe a, an Aston Villa. And and I think because there's going to be interest in him from elsewhere, that'll help you get a, a competitive price given his situation. Again, and I, and I don't think Ollie will do this, right? So I'm just making the point. My only worry is, I saw Adam Crafton from the Athletics saying this, my only worry is, he's playing so well, say he gets into the England Euro squad, continues to do well, mm-hmm. there's a tendency or is there a temptation to say, right, give him a new deal and give him another chance. And I don't mean this to be I don't disrespectful think so. to Lingard. I don't think so either. And I don't mean this to be disrespectful to him. I think him going to West Ham shown what a great opportunity it is for him and even United. I think both parties had sort of reached their end point. And I think now this summer's the right time to cash in. And as I say, I think twenty-five to thirty million because it, because he has been playing really well, and there'll be more than one club interested. And mm-hmm. in how many times Phil of United went after a player where there's more than one club interested and had their pants pulled down? So it's important that when there's more than one club interested in a United player, who the club are happy to shift on then they use that to their advantage for once. Great to see Jimmy Garner also getting the captain's on Bonnet Forest for the last 10 minutes this weekend. Um, I watched that game, actually. Um, 
And uh, Jimmy Garner is very, very exciting young talent. As you were saying, Callum, great for him to work with Chris Hutton, an actual football manager who plays football. Uh, brilliant move for him. Really, really pleased for Jimmy. And very, very exciting. Uh, we could possibly see him as an option next season, although I think it may benefit him to do one more season where he gets a full season because he basically didn't play for the first half. Um, and he certainly didn't play much, but for, for Watford then gets this move, I'd love to see him get on maybe another season at that level of consistency, grow physically, and then possibly come back. As for Lingard, Lingard has a similar problem to Van der Beek in that he can't really play Bruno Fernandes' position. He's not going to be played out way because... He's not going to knock Riceford out of the team. He's not going to knock uh, Greenwood out of the team or uh, Mad or whoever starts up front or Martial. He's not going to get in ahead of them. So I still think that for United, the temptation will be to sell because there's going to, they're, they're going to get offered decent money for him. And there could be one or two others. It's where United have assets they're going to sell to somewhere where they're actually worth decent money. They have some of those players that are worth decent money. And uh, it may result in having to sell some this summer to get... The finances needed to bring three or four in. Um, I think at best, optimistically, if we see four, it'll be two young players and maybe one or two established players. We shall see. Uh, last point, mate. Solskjaer's been criticised for his squad rotation. Look at Chelsea last season in the FA Cup. And they lost that FA Cup semi-final and he was pillared for the team. Should he have rotated prior to an international break? In all honesty, no. Um, I I said in the, in the show already. I think you have to use your squad, but again, like Sir Alex used to do, you play your full strength squad, and if you have the luxury of a two goal deficit with twenty minutes to go or twenty five minutes to go, then you can bring a Teles on, then you can bring a Van de Beek on, and I think that's that's the best way to do it. With this current international break, now I'm going to go on a bit of a mini rant here. I apologise. I just don't get why international football has been played at this mm-hmm. moment in time in Europe that it's they're talking about a third wave of Covid it's a very shaky time in that regard there's problems with vaccines getting to certain countries and, and this that and the other I just don't think it's wise that international football is going on at this moment full stop particularly when they've salvaged the Euros and that's coming this summer there could have been a way to delay this there could have been a way to to, 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 to not upset the apple cart because not just as from a United point of view, and itself, the United point of view here is selfish from me, right? My main worry is players go away in internationals, they come back, they test positive, and they put preparations up uh, in the air for so many clubs between now and the rest of the season. I pray that doesn't happen because at the end of the day, we don't want to see that for for, for any club, really. We want to see the best players out in the pitch at all times. But to, to answer your question, with the internationals coming up, would I have irritated my squad? Would I have, would I have seen the need to, to rest a a Sean, a Fernandez from the start, absolutely not. Completely agree. Mate, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Callum, thanks very much as always, mate. Don't forget to check out Callum at Football CFB or Callum CFB. Fantastic content, well worth checking out. Uh, and uh, mate, wish you all the best. Have a great day. Have a great day. Enjoy. And to all the listeners, as always, stay safe and take care of yourselves. Cheers, folks. All the best. Bye.